0: Hi, I'm Dr. Andrea Huddleston, and this is the Primal Alternative Podcast.
1: TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach, Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff free business of their own with the Primalista license. The Primalista license brings primal alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista license is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. welcome to the primal alternative podcast this is episode number 72 coming up to you on Friday the 13th and I'm your host Helen Marshall you can call me H I am a private a primal health coach and founder of the grain free food business called primal alternative and on the show today I'm joined by my super Super sexy, super smart friend, really good friend, and WA sister as well, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. Now, she is a woman's health natural fertility specialist and integrative chiropractor practicing uh, in Perth, Australia. And she's the co-host of the award-winning podcast, uh, the Wellness Women Radio, which is also... On this station, The Wellness Couch, Um, I've been interviewed by the wellness women. So go back and check out my episode uh, that we did a few months back. Now, my gorgeous Andrea is affectionately referred to as the period whisperer. Um, In addition to her chiropractic degrees, she's pretty smart. She holds two postgraduate master's degrees in women's health medicine and reproductive medicine. So she knows her shiz. She's also trained in nutritional and functional medicine. And she is, she's a global leader, right, in women's health, as well as an educator and a sought-after presenter. I've seen her speak on several occasions, and she's truly captivating. She makes all of that hormonal stuff that normally you just sort of glaze over to. She makes it all relevant and gives you some sense of hope and um makes you feel like you can do something you know it's you're not like just on this fast track to what does she call it a war zone (laughs) that's just not no not good um she also has a really awesome hormonal mastery online e-course which she's going to tell you about and um Tell you how to get to it, so it's only like ninety nine Australian dollars, if you want to become a master of your own hormones and know just what the hell's going on. So in today's episode, we're going to find out what menopause actually is because people talk about it as if it's a transitional thing. I'm in menopause, right? Well, um, it's not. That's not. That's not the right way to describe it. So we're going to find, and I didn't know either, right? So we're going to find out what actually defines menopause. We're going to find out what's normal and what's not normal. And and it's quite a relief you'll find that quite a lot of the normal, you know, common things, they're not normal. Um, and we're going to uh, get a bit of a 101 about the hormonal changes through menopause and, most importantly, how you can sail through it with ease and how this period of your life, pardon the pun, can be a really awesome time where you can learn to live for you. You can sort of see it as Andrea describes as a second spring of your life. How cool is that? And we literally get all of Andrea's best menopausal tips. You'll be able to create a list that you can take away. Most of you will find that if you're living a primal lifestyle, you're already ticking a lot of boxes um, which is great to hear, right? I love it when everything sort of points back to the same truth. You know, you're like, oh, yeah. So if we just live like our primal ancestors did as much as we can and, you know, prioritize real food and sleep and stress management and move our bodies, then that's pretty much most of your base is covered. But she does give us a few other tips around um, uh, nutritional requirements, um, some supplements you might want to take, as well as, Some other things which you're just gonna love and find out about. So, before we dive into the chat, I just wanted to give you a bit of a PAHQ update Primal Alternative Headquarters update. So, at the time you guys will get this, the doors have closed on new Primal Listers for 2019. Few, how exciting. Since I launched the Primal Lister license on Boxing Day 2016, I have been in launch mode ever since. And it's been awesome. And I've opened the door to over 126 new Listers across Australia, into New Zealand, the UK, and the USA. Um, but we're shaking things up how we do it here at Primal Alternative next year. So if you don't know, my background is uh, not only as a fitness instructor personal trainer, group health coach, um, but also as a recruitment manager. So I worked for a large recruitment firm for 10 years. So I'm going to utilize my recruitment skills and do two Primalista intakes. So one in March 2020 and one in October 2020. So go ahead, go away, enjoy summer, um, but head to the Primal Alternative website, so you can get on the wait list for when applications open again, which will probably be around February, and interviews uh, start on March the third, and there will be a small window um, in the first part of the year and a small window in the second part of the year. So if you're thinking about you know living for you, as Andrew is going to talk about in this podcast, which I just love, and you want to take your passion for clean living and contribute in a way that's going to help other people um, stay on track with you know, gluten-free, grain-free, um, reduced uh, carbohydrate, you know, no refined sugar kind of way of life, then why not provide staples for them? So providing their breads, pizza bases, cookies, jellies, pastries and wraps. Why not do it with a brand that is in partnership with Pete Evans Chef Pete Evans and Joe Witten from Quirky Cooking. So we, we produce um, products for those amazing celebrities who really help Primal Alternative and all the Primalistas with that brand awareness, you know, so you're jumping on board with a well-established brand. And, you know, I had a Primalista uh, one-on-one discovery call, interview, whatever you want to call it. I change it all the time, but same thing. <laughs> Pretty much sitting down, half an hour and just looking at the viability of the model in that particular person's life with regards to stockist potentials, distribution potential, how much time they've got, how big they want their business to be, and just kind of working out if we're a good fit, essentially. And one of the, the potential prime ministers said to me, oh, you know, my husband's not really keen, <laughs> uh, which can be the case, but don't worry, that's normal. I've got some answers for that. Um, buy them some cookies, see how they go after that. No, that is one of my tactics. Or do they say it? the best way to a man's heart is through his stomach? Ain't that true, girlfriends? Anyway, I got sidetracked. And so she said, my husband's not very keen because if I stop being a prime minister, I can't sell this business on. And I thought, yeah, you know, that is a downside of the license. And then I thought, no, it's not. <laughs> because you don't have, like if you start a business from scratch, you've got to put in like, oh, I've put over a quarter of a million dollars into Primal Alternative just on my own. And, um, you know, five years of work, uh, to get it to where it is now. And that's what you jump on board with when you, you, you jump on board of all of that, you know, you kind of like get on the train that's already moving. So when you don't need to, you know, and so therefore there's less investment at the start. Does that make sense? Less investment, less reinventing the wheel, less you know, hustle and all of that kind of thing. I mean, of course, you've still got to get out there and sell your products and it's manual labor baking bread, right? But it's so much fun baking and at home, being your own boss, playing shop, getting feedback from stockists, having new experiences, being part of the amazing, high-vibing, primalista sisterhood. Like, it's got so many pros to it. But I just was really thinking, yeah, there's nothing, you know, like when you've put all that investment in, you need to get that back when you sell your business. But this is a, like a, a light version of starting a business because you don't have to put all of that time and investment at the start of your business, you know. So the Prime Minister License, um, yeah, look, it's, I don't know what the price is going to be yet in, in um, March 2020, but it's around the 5000 5500 $6,000 Australian dollar mark. And really, you know, for, for, to get the recipes and resources to start a business. You know, I know of courses that are that price point that you go and you learn all the stuff, but then you still have to go out and learn how to get a return on investment on it in terms of creating your own business, you know? So anyway, just some food for thought. And I just thought, wow, that was a real insight. I'm always learning new things about this opportunity. And yeah, I thought I'd share that one with you. So Let's dive into this podcast. I'd love to know what topics you want me to cover in 2020 on the Primal Alternative podcast. Menopause was a request a to- as a topic. And I'm really glad that uh, I never would have thought to do menopause because menopause is just one of those, it really is a brushed under the carpet kind of topic. And so I really hope that this episode today sheds some light on the whole menopause thing for you. And also just moves you out of that fear mindset that we're on this, you know, fast track to just old age and the middle age spread and dry vaginas and low libido, (laughs) air falling out. What else? Dry eyes. Oh, hot flashes. Can't stop going to the toilet. doesn't have to be that way. You're not on your own and you can reclaim your health. Hallelujah. So you're going to love Dr. Angie. She's so down to earth. Absolutely amazing. Go and check her out. Stalk her on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to Wellness Women Radio on the couch as well. Now, if you want to get your hands on all things Primal Alternative, if you want to find out a bit more about me, if you want to locate one of your your local producer, your Primalista, want to find your local stockist, want to shop online, uh, the shop is having a little break. I must mention that the shop's having a holiday from December the eighth to January the sixth, so prime listers can take a good break, and also so we avoid all of the public holiday dramas that ensue uh, with the postal system. Not cool. We do not want to be sending you packets of mouldy bread, right? But the shop will be open with gusto in the new year. So meanwhile, check out your local stockists, and um, if you want to become a producer, I really I'm on a big mission to grow the Primal Alternative Network because I want these products available to everyone to make their lives easier because they're good products. They're whole food. You know, They're a reasonable price point when you consider the ingredients and the fact that they're homemade with love. Plus, it's an incredible business opportunity for women who've got a passion for clean living and want to live for themselves. So head over to primalalternative.com and now... Let's find out all about menopause with gorgeous Andrea. So what I want to know, Dr. Andrea, because it's too early for breakfast, is did you agree to this podcast just so you got the free primal alternative
0: gift? Uh, you know what? Normally I would say absolutely yes, because seriously, <laughs> Helen, your stuff is the best. Um, everybody, especially all of your uh, primal alternative um you know, uh, what do you call your oh, your primalistas, <laughs> um, especially the ones who've seen me speak before, they all know that I love those cookies and the gummies. Oh my goodness. And I saw that you brought out bagels as well. Yes. Holy moly. I'm pretty excited about that. But I didn't even know that that was a perk until I filled in your little pre-show um, sort of intake form. And it's like, we'd like to send you a gift. And I went, yes. <laughs> <Winning>. <laughs> so, written down,
1: so cookies bagels and jellies they will be on their way to you yeah but and, and it's so cool oh. so um if anybody wants to see dr angia if you go to the primal alternative IGTV, um there's a, a really cool clip of you at the wellness summit um from this year and you're like you're like got so many things in your arms you're like dropping them you've bought so
0: much stuff <laughs> And it was I'm not gonna lie, it was all for me. <laughs> <laughs> but you were staying you were staying I was not Victoria. sharing that with anybody.
1: Yeah, good on you. But you were staying in Victoria, weren't you? And you just wanted to get a few supplies. So a good planning, I think.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um that week that we were at the Wellness summit was a pretty massive week for me i was running a couple of other um like practitioner pr- training workshops or seminars um the end of the week so i needed obviously some good sustenance so mm-hmm. it was very convenient thanks helen yeah no you're welcome thanks
1: to the listers because i survive on primal alternative products when i'm on the road as well it's like the best sometimes it's just yeah. a box of cookies and, and that's me for the day some days not with some real food in there as well, but no, they they are great to great to take on the road. So yeah, love it, love it too. It's so cool. Now we're here today to talk about menopause because when I asked my listeners what topics do you want me to cover on the podcast, one of them was menopause, and I just really started to um, have a think about how much you know menopause is talked about in our wellness circle and. It really is quite unrepresented. It's not, there's a lot of stuff about um, you know, thyroid health, adrenal health, but there's not a huge mm-hmm. amount about menopause. So I'd love if you could just start with explaining to us what is the menopause and what, you know, there seems to be lots of different things. Is it a, is it a state? Is it a phase? What's the perimenopausal bit? I'm confused.
0: Oh, those are such great questions, Helen. I love it. And you're absolutely right. It's not something that is talked about at all and it's not something where women really feel comfortable going and seeking support for unless they're having really horrific symptoms and I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to get into why, you know, they may have the, um, you know, the onset of those symptoms in the first place. But I think that historically we've done a really bad job of initiating women into this menopausal phase and menopause is simply just a retrospective diagnosis it simply means that you haven't had a period for 12 months. It doesn't mean the onset of hot flashes, mood swings, no libido, depression, anxiety, memory loss, bone loss, um, weight gain, vaginal dryness, and you know all of those sorts of things. It's not a dried up old road to Alzheimer's and dementia, which is what most women think that menopause is. It simply means 12 months with no period. Um, So that's why it is that retrospective diagnosis. The average age that menopause starts for women is about 52. So anything before that is kind of that perimenopausal phase that can last up to about 13 years. So on average, women start that perimenopausal sort of um, time around about 45, you know, give or take about five years, depending on the woman and depending on what her hormonal picture has been like before that. And there are some hints that her cycle will give her um, around that time that will tell her that, you know, she's kind of entering that perimenopausal phase as well. Um, So I guess it's probably a good way to look at it as transitions into different phases of a woman's life um, rather than it being, you know, like a a symptomatic diagnosis. Mm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. It does make sense. So, When you say that our cycle can give us some clues that we're in that transition, that perimenopausal phase, what sort of clues Mm -hmm. would we be looking for
0: or getting from our body? Well, I have this saying that how well you did your period and how well you did your cycling years is a really good window into how well you're going to do menopause because we've got about 400 chances to get it right. (laughs) Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So. The stuff that's going on in your life as a cycling woman, so having a regular period, you kind of get little snippets of information about what you need to change in your life. It's, think of it like your, your menstrual report card for how well your health is or you know, how well you're managing your stress or making good changes in your life and those sorts of things. Now when you get to perimenopause and menopause, if you haven't got that right, it will absolutely smack you in the face. And this is usually when women have much more severe symptoms when they don't pay attention to that sort of thing. And there are reasons for that. So some of the hints that the cycle gives leading up to menopause. So as you start to enter perimenopause, the first thing that happens is the period or the cycle might get a little bit shorter. So instead of being maybe 28 to 30 days, a lot of women start to notice it starts to go to about 25 days, possibly 21 days. So we start to get this little bit more frequent bleeding initially. And that's because of the type of hormones that start to shift and change when we, you know, get into that sort of midlife transition. And the first thing that happens is that. Oh, sorry, those are just my puppies saying hello. Morning, folks. Um, it happens every yeah every podcast without fail. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first thing that happens is progesterone uh, starts to decrease. And progesterone is the hormone that's responsible for the second phase of a woman's cycle. So uh, that's what maintains everything after ovulation. And progesterone is also um, what I like to call nature's valium. So this is what Mm -hmm. keeps women really level-headed really calm. It helps to stimulate our parasympathetic nervous system. So the rest and digest pathways, and it also binds to our GABA receptors in our brain. So it's a neuroendocrine hormone that has a lovely sedative effect on our system. Now, it's interesting that most women, if they've got hormonal problems, will usually have issues in that second phase of their cycle when progesterone is supposed to be doing a really good job. So a lot of women have got some issues with their balance of progesterone. So when we enter perimenopause, progesterone starts to decrease and then initially we'll have actually a surge of estrogen. So it doesn't just start to completely dive down. We have a surge initially. So with that lower progesterone, we have a relatively high amount of estrogen excess and this is what starts some of those quite uncomfortable symptoms for women that might be things like anxiety, absolute fixation on things. Usually this is still, you know, our memory is still really sharp at this time, particularly under the, the influence of that elevated estrogen. Mm. But women might also notice a bit of weight gain around this time because of that hormonal shift. Now, that's not inevitable. It's just when those hormones aren't balanced, those are the things that, that tend to pop up. And then depending on the woman, she will either have a surge of testosterone or her testosterone will start to decrease. So that's why around midlife some women, you know, have this beautiful um, boost of libido, whereas others it just tends to tank. There are certainly ways to mitigate whichever way you go, um, but that's just a very natural thing that happens as well. Okay. So So those are some of the hints. Yeah, so those are some
1: of the hints. So, Are those... When you're talking about the the shorter cycles and the surge in estrogen, is that normal or is that a sign of a hormonal imbalance?
0: The decrease in progesterone is a normal thing that happens. So when we are moving into that menopausal transition, our ovaries don't stop functioning. Um, They don't, you know, dry up and they're like, oh, I've done my job for the last 20 years or whatever it is, you know, now we're (laughs) we're taking a break. But their function changes. So they're they're part of our body that actually takes over the production of those hormones. Once we get into that perimenopausal menopausal phase is actually our adrenal glands, which I think is such a key point for women to understand. So when we move into that midlife transition, your adrenals take over the production of your really important hormones, so progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone. But our adrenals have got a pretty important job to do. So they're, you know, the the organ that's responsible for our fight or flight response, you know, managing all of the hormones that are in, you know, response to stress and everything else. So if our body is completely prioritized with You know, running around like a crazy person and trying to curb that stress at every corner. So, if we're producing a lot of cortisol, then the body is naturally going to be robbing more and more progesterone because it actually uses that as a building block for more stress hormones. Wow. And this is Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That makes makes a lot of sense, especially, Andrea, when, you know, that time, you know, most women, if they're starting, um, you know, the perimenopausal phase around 45, that's the time you're running around after kids, you're probably working full time, you're running the household, you might be caring for your elderly parents, like it is quite a busy time of life in general, isn't it? For them to have that extra, extra transition to deal with and extra impact on your adrenals as well.
0: Yeah, isn't that interesting? And historically women, uh, this would have happened at a very different time, you know, like we would have had children younger. Not that that's a good or a bad thing, Um, but usually by that kind of menopausal time, usually we would have had grown children um, and hopefully we're getting rid of them out of the house, (laughs) Um, certainly still hopefully looking after elderly parents. But the woman's role would have changed as well. So historically and particularly in non-Western society, we would value you know, that, that wisdom and that transition into that phase of our life with, with I guess, just with so much more reverence, mm. it would be so much more respected. Whereas particularly in Western culture, it's very hard for us to honor those different phases of our life. And even just going back to a lot of the themes that have always been present with, you know, the the normal functions of a woman's body. Even from the onset of menstruation, like, you know, going back centuries, women were always seen as unclean, as heathens, as dangerous. And then that theme was carried into, you know, until now. And women historically didn't live this long either. So most of them wouldn't live past 40. So they wouldn't get to that perimenopausal phase um, or menopause in the first place. So now our life expectancy is so much longer. We're living so much longer, but we're not doing a very good job of honouring, you know, this change in our life. Mm. Um, certainly some really important themes there that we can get into that women can do to help to make that transition so much easier.
1: Let, yeah, I want to get to that, but I want to dig in more to the, I'm really loving the what's normal and what's not normal. So, so just to, just to yeah. recap so far, it's normal Um, To have slightly shorter cycles, but not normal to have a lot of, um, like you you, you rattled off a shopping list of awfulness (laughs) of, you know, (laughs) decreased libido, dry vagina and all that kind of thing.
0: Those things aren't normal. Uh, So... I think a relative amount of that that's not causing distress can be normal because, yes, when the form of estrogen that we're producing changes, yes, it is going to have a little bit of an impact on our system, but that doesn't mean that those symptoms have to be distressing. And if they are, then that is a sign of hormonal imbalance. So hot flushes are absolutely a sign of hormonal imbalance. So So hot flushes are caused by usually there's a little peak of cortisol first it then shuts down some of the, um, you know, control mechanisms in our brain that control body temperature, that then bring on the hot flush in the first place. Um, so there is there's a precursor to all of these things. They don't just you know pop out of thin air. Our body isn't designed to cause us pain and suffering. These are warning signs that something is not quite right. The Big mood swings is definitely a sign of, again, hormonal imbalance. Um, the anxiety, memory loss, all of those things are telling you that something is not quite right.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, it's so amazing, isn't it, how the body's got such a, a wonderful way of um, communicating back with us. Now, the, the next thing I want to ask you, Andrea, and I, this might be like a whole podcast in itself, but I guess we, we are the, the kind of like the first generation, or well, maybe over the last sort of like forty years, I guess, of women who've used the birth control pill um, to mm. you know to regulate um, regulate the periods or you know, sorry, for birth control. So how would using the pill maybe impact um, menopause? And what about you? Hear a lot of um, stories of women who you know bleeding is you know, something they don't want to experience. So they've just taken the pill back to back. Um, How how would that sort of um, behavior affect their journey into menopause?
0: Okay. Um, That's a big question. (laughs) That is definitely a really big question. Um, Look, it's no secret that I am not necessarily a fan of hormonal contraceptives and not because of their, you know, contraceptive capacity. I am, you know, super supportive of that if that is what a woman, you know, chooses. That's my sort of disclaimer. But using it as the fix for bleeding um, and skipping the period like that, using it as the wonder drug to, you know, quote unquote, fix all sorts of hormonal disasters, is just setting the body up for. You know, failure really. Um, we see it time and time again in women who maybe have taken the pill since teenage years, they come off in their mid 30s desperately trying to conceive, and nothing happens because they've suppressed their body's own production of normal hormones mm. for such a long time that then the body, you know, either goes berserk or doesn't, can't figure out how to start cycling again. We know that there's a really strong link um, with the number of cycles a woman has, so the number of normal natural cycles, which means that there's an ovulation phase that happens, so we're releasing an egg from an ovary, we're having that shedding of the uterine lining under the normal ebbs and flows of estrogen, progesterone, um, you know, luteinizing hormone and follicular stimulating hormone. So the cascade of all of that stuff, which produces a normal cycle. The number of those that a woman has directly impacts her health in that menopausal phase. So the fewer cycles a woman has is very, very strongly linked with an increased risk of things like diabetes and everything else. We know that the synthetic hormones that are in the pill do not match what our own body makes. So in particular, the estrogen that's in the pill is 10 times stronger often than what our own body produces. So this means that that puts a huge load on the system to try and bind and detoxify all of those synthetic hormones. So our liver and our gut has to be involved in that. It really massively suppresses our pituitary gland function, which is what controls ovulation in the first place. So it's like taking your ovaries and your pituitary gland offline for a long time. Um, What else? It also, we know that it suppresses thyroid function as well. Those synthetic hormones and taking the pill for more than five years dramatically increases the risk of autoimmune conditions for women too. And we're seeing like an absolute epidemic influx of particularly women who are having autoimmune thyroid conditions too. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, that's that's just a few little things there, but just taking the pill and having some sort of hormonal contraceptive back-to-back until you know, you want to stop cycling, I think is just delaying the inevitable mm. and causing absolute chemical shitstorm for the system. That's going to be really tricky for the body to deal with later. Um, the reason that sometimes it's being pushed at the moment is to prevent early bone loss. So, we know that that estradiol estrogen is protective against the menopausal bone loss that happens once we get to that phase of our life, but that 's also a very normal thing that happens in the system, and there 's so many ways that we can be maintaining really good strong bone health without taking synthetic hormones yes awesome
1: that 's so awesome and I just really would love to um, i 'd love to lock in a date with you, Andrea, to do a whole show on contraception because I think it's one of those things when you get into you know clean eating and then clean living it's, it, contraception is one of those things that nobody's really talking about that either you know like what is a the most kind of like primal way to avoid multiple births right <laughs> Right. <laughs> without, yeah. Putting, yeah. without putting a pile of synthetic I mean why would you um you know I'm with you with regards to your I share your belief around the pill as well but why would you eat beautiful, you know, spray-free local season, seasonal vegetables, grass-fed protein, and then stick some synthetic hormones into, you, you know, if there was a different way. I'm not saying obviously there's there's some medicines that are they're that wonderful and life-changing for women, but if there was another way. So if you're keen, I'd love to lock, lock in a
0: contraception 101 um, Podcast in the new <laughs> I would year. Love to do that, Helen. Awesome. And I think that that's really—it's a really important topic because exactly as you're saying, if we're living this lifestyle that's you know as as primal as possible, and we're being really conscious about those choices, then why would we be taking something on a daily basis that has an antibiotic-like effect on our gut? Mm-hmm. You know, we're so conscious of never having antibiotics unless absolutely necessary, but then the oral contraceptive pill has. And you know, and I'm just using that for example, has antibiotic-like effects on our gut. So, you know, our gut health is so important for the balance of those hormones. And that's just one of the negative actions that it has. We know it also dramatically increases our risk of things like breast cancer and uterine cancer as well. Um, so, you know, this is just things that women really need to be conscious of. Mm.
1: So let's dive a little bit finally into a few more of the what's not normal symptoms because um, before the show I was doing a bit of research into common complaints around the menopause and you know we've touched on hot flashes, extreme tiredness, weight gain mm-hmm. especially around the, uh, the tummy area, bad hair days with hair falling out in clumps, sleep problems, extreme um, skin dryness memory issues, um, sudden ageing, all of these sorts of anxiety, dry eyes, all of these things, um, are, th- are they normal? Is that what we should be expecting? No.
0: <laughs> no, and they smell horrible, don't they? Um, what was the one that you, was one that um, really stuck out to me? Oh, hair falling out in clumps. It's mm. definitely not normal. Oh, and uh, you, <laughs> when you were saying the weight gain, that's what I like to call middle age spread. Yeah, middle-aged. Um, friend, so, <laughs> yeah, and it absolutely is. Like, so, yes, if you have a really crappy lifestyle, um, and you know, there's a whole bunch of things going on, then yes, you will experience those symptoms. But that is not inevitable. You know, these are choices. What great news! Yeah, um, it's not inevitable. Women do not have to suffer through menopause. Um, normal menopause is. No symptoms whatsoever. And it it actually gets better than that as well. So, Helen, one thing that women are so surprised to hear when I really explain to them the hormonal changes that happen at that phase of their life is that if we look at a menstruating woman, so when we're in those fertile years and we're having those normal cycles, when we're ovulating, which is usually the best time of the cycle for a woman, you know, this is when we're most engaged, we're most, you know, albedo's highest, and we're most articulate, we're most empathetic, you know, that's usually when we're feeling our best. Follicular stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone, which are hormones from our pituitary gland that signal, excuse me, down to our ovaries to tell us to ovulate, are peaking at that time. And then when we actually, and then they come down and they go through this ebb and flow. When we look at a menopausal woman's hormonal profile, they have an elevation of follicular stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone at the level that resembles that ovulating woman. And it stays up there permanently. Mm. So there is potential for this to be the springtime of your life, for this to be the best time of your life. If you, you know, do the work and if you, you know, do take good care of yourself and if you do tune in and listen to your body, to those signs and symptoms that it's giving you and act accordingly. So this phase can be the absolute best for women.
1: Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. Like that that's, that sounds so <laughs> good and it's so nice to know, you know, um, but you, it doesn't have to be like, it, like you see in these, facebook support groups and i have to say that um uh in this support group where i got all those symptoms from and i was listening to what well reading the women and and their complaints it was kind of like oh this is the norm um i'm not on meds yet as if it was that's going to be inevitable and i know we, we i'd like to touch on um the way that menopause is treated in medicine but it was very much like this yeah. this is the norm this is how it's going and they were trying to treat it and the, and the symptoms that they had, especially the weight gain and the aging, which you've touched on in terms of that's kind of not acceptable in Western culture, um, that, mm. you know, they were, they were going back to the food pyramid of a low-fat diet um, and and exercising a lot and then reporting back that, you know, they couldn't even lose a kilogram even though they'd been thrashing it out of the gym five times a week, which when you understand the, um, you know, the adrenal and the cortisol, changes that you've outlined, you can see why <laughs> putting on that extra stress on the system isn't going to help at all, right? So I wonder if you yeah. were able to talk us through a little bit, There's sort of kind of like two questions here, Andrea, the way that it's menopause is treated in medicine and why most women expect that they're going to be put on HRT or anti-anxiety tablets. And the way that we can sell through menopause with ease if we choose an alternative um, way to do it.
0: Yeah, great. And Helen, I think that um, the hormone replacement therapy uh, topic is probably something that you know deserves and the a third podcast. podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, the history um, of HRT is really, really fascinating. Look, I won't go into it right now, but I think that we treat menopause like this like uh, you know a woman's body is always seen as that medicalized war zone right there's always a problem um from you know <laughs> medicalized and, war zone and, <laughs> yeah so from you know as soon as a woman starts menstruating There's intervention, right? So, you know, maybe there's um, irregular cycles, which is totally normal at that age and the easiest thing in the world to change. Or maybe there's a little bit of hormonal acne, which again is very normal and again, very easy to change. Or maybe the woman is just simply menstruating. So she's put on oral contraceptives, right? Mm. So she's told to stay on those until she wants to get pregnant and come off and then she'll need fertility intervention. And then, you know, just uh, once you finish cycling once you've had your babies. Then you come back, we put you on HRT till you can't stand it anymore. Then we take out your, um, your uterus and your ovaries because, you know, you're just... Who needs no ref- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it used to be the saying that there's, there's no room in the tomb for the womb. Oh, so every minute of every day, a woman is given a hysterectomy and only one in 10 of those are actually for life-saving, you know, like medical necessity. Um, so I think just the way that we treat women in medicine is so reductionistic. We look at each of their little organs separate to the whole. Mm -hmm. We don't take into account, I guess, a sense of the only word I can think of is this sense of energy medicine where a woman is so much more than just the sum of her parts, right? And there's so many things come into play in this midlife transition and it brings up so many themes of purpose and self-sacrifice and all sorts of different things. And we'll get into that in a second about what women can do to like sail through this time. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is that I, I really do think that medicine has failed women, particularly when it comes to looking after or supporting our hormonal function. So when women get to menopause and leading up to that, usually they're encouraged to be on some sort of hormonal contraceptive until then. And then when they come off, they're offered hormone replacement therapy, which is, uh, especially if a woman still has a uterus should be a combination of estrogen and progesterone. Um, so synthetic versions of those and the estrogen that they use comes from the urine of pregnant mares so pregnant horses. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how they synthesize that, that estrogen. Um, and again, is, you know, a hell of a lot more stronger than a hell of a lot stronger than, than what the own, our own body makes. Um, so, and you know, the HRT does a beautiful job most of the time for stopping some of those symptoms that women are experiencing. But there's risks and benefits with everything. And being on some of those synthetic hormones for a long time dramatically increases your risks of so many different things, including cancer, heart disease, strokes, everything else. Um, So, you know, women really need to go into this very well informed uh, and, you know, as the absolute last result, resort and on the lowest possible dose to give them a change. Um, I would strongly suggest that is absolutely the last resort. There's so many things that you can do before you get to that point. So let's start. Uh, let's, so that's let's... how menopause is yeah. I mean, it's
1: hot. It's hot. And, and I'm sorry, but that really did make me laugh because it's so true that a woman's body is a medicalized war zone. And I think that, mm-hmm. um, you know, like it literally, it, it, Oh, it was in uh, ruptures of laughter. That was hilarious because it's spot on. Um, and even, mm-hmm. well, even probably more so is a, a woman who's pregnant and oh my goodness, a human has to come out of her vaginal, uh, you know, like that, that Terri- that's terrible. That couldn't possibly just happen naturally. We need to intervene as much as possible and, and make it as traumatic as possible. But that again, there's a fourth podcast in terms of natural fertility <laughs> and natural birth, right? <laughs> but yeah. uh, gosh, I mean, seriously, this is a very obviously very close to my heart. Uh, being a woman in, in this um, in this transition myself, but let's dive into all of the ways that a woman can. I mean, you've touched on some really. I was thinking you were going to talk mostly about and like, you know, diet and lifestyle, but you're talking about purpose and women, self-sacrifice and things like that. So I'd love to find out some of your
0: top tips of
1: how to sail through menopause with ease.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, let's talk about that, um, that sense of purpose that I think is really essential for a woman to have. So when we move from this, you know, mother um, kind of into that different phase of our life so I know that a lot of women who are going through perimenopause and menopause are still in the thick of motherhood as well (laughs) you know obviously we're having babies later which I think is you know great for our um you know because we're much more emotionally intelligent and developed you know later in life as well so there's nothing wrong with that however this is the time of your life when any stuff going on is going to smack you in the face so this is when you actually have to do the work so this is when you actually need to be living for you so this is when you need to be saying no unapologetically stop doing things out of obligation this is when you need to be prioritizing your own self your own self-pleasure and whatever that means so if there's you know certain hobbies that you've always wanted to get into now is the time to do it you've got to start living for you and women self-sacrifice so much. And yes, during motherhood, there's an element of that that is certainly necessary. Mm. But as we get into perimenopause and menopause, this is the time when you absolutely have to start living for you. This is when you have to have that sense of purpose and do the things that really light you up. Um, That in itself is going to help to shift some of just even that hormonal change because, When you start feeling good in the things that you're doing, it's obviously lowering your cortisol along the way. So I think that that's a really good start. So that's the homework that women can uh, put at the top of their list.
1: That's so awesome. (laughs) And and I I guess, you know, the key with this one, Andrea, is that nobody's going to give them, no one's going to give them permission. No one's going to come up to you and say, hey, you know what? Thanks so much for all of the sacrifices you made. Uh, you know during your career and um, when we got married and raising our three children, but you know what now it 's your it 's your time babe you take you, you take time for you exactly and, and we really struggle with living for ourselves um, but when you and, and I love how you 've brought this up as a as a factor and I think if women can understand that this can positively <clears throat> impact your health it 's not just a case of <clears throat> doing something for you to be fulfilled and Follow your dreams and all of that. But actually, this could be the key to sailing through this period of your life and making it that amazing um, experience that it can be that you've described. So this is this is great stuff. So if, if you're listening to this and thinking, Oh my goodness, I need to do a bit of that, then Dr. Andrea is giving you permission, aren't you?
0: Yeah, I love that. And not that you need it, but I think it's, you know, sometimes that's just the boost that Really helps to shift things for women, yeah. um, and there is a physiological change that happens when that happens. So, yeah, that that's step number one, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> do, it. Um, do it, do it, do um, it. So, in terms of you know some diet and targeted lifestyle changes that can really help, uh, if we look at the way our metabolic function changes as we get older, unfortunately, you know our requirements do go down so we don't need to eat as much um unfortunately Damn. <laughs> so this is when <laughs> we need to really yeah i know right <laughs> and this is when sugar and anything that's got that high glycemic index is going to really affect our function so having a lower processed carbohydrate diet and getting off the sugar is really, really positive because this is what usually women will say to me, um, you know, I I just looked at my lunch and I put on two kilos. Mm. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And this tends to really fluctuate a lot for women um, in this time. So you can't physically put on that amount of weight in such a short amount of time. I call that liquid kilo. So it's from that inflammation um, Mm. that happens in that fluid retention that goes on when we're eating or making those crappy choices. So one of the best things that women can do is really adopt a very, very low processed carbohydrate diet. So make sure you're still having plenty of fiber, as much veggies as you can take in. That is going to be your absolute best friend for this transition as well, because that's going to help to create that hormonal balance for you as well. So I usually encourage women to be eating at least two cups of veggies with each meal. Um, or aiming for a minimum of 35 grams of fibre per, per day. So get your pen and pad out now, ladies, because we're going to give you some things that you can yeah, really start awesome. to implement straight away. Um, I certainly encourage women to kind of follow the 80-20 rule when it comes to food as well. Don't stress yourself out about it, um, but if we can do 80% of the time we're doing things really, really good and then we've got a little bit of room um, for, you know, treats or dessert with our girlfriends or, you oh, know, yeah. those sorts. <laughs> and that social connection that we have when we do that is so, so positive. So because our system is going to be a little bit less sensitive to insulin, if you're really wanting in dessert then go out and do that and share one with your girlfriends. I reckon that's a really good... Um thing that you can do because there's so many positive effects that come from that well, there's,
1: there's, there's just okay, a like sorry. there's such a difference in desserts. so like eating a whole tub of haagen-dazs on the couch to yourself because you feel depressed is really different so <laughs> eating a dessert yeah. in a restaurant with your best friend and having a great time isn't it i mean there's there's different yeah. different triggers for eating and different reasons and stuff so 80 20 love it so, so so far i've got living for you go low carb eat heaps of veg go 80 20 what
0: other amazing tips have you got Okay, so, oh, ladies, you're gonna hate me, and Helen, especially you, because we talked about Don't coffee. Mention before the coffee. <laughs> All right, but bear with me, okay? Okay. So. There is some boundaries we need to put around coffee, all right? So remember, coffee is a stimulant. You're just giving your adrenals a good old punch when you have that cup of coffee, and coffee has been shown to lower your estradiol levels. That's your good oestrogen. That's what you want as much as possible of. Remember, when we're also producing a lot of that cortisol, you're tanking your progesterone too quickly. So ladies, one coffee a day, I'm a bit of a coffee purist. I love it black. It should be bitter um, as far as I'm concerned. So one coffee a day, um, but after 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh. Now, the reason I say that, yes, yeah, so <laughs> Helen's already had her, um, <laughs> sorry, her little uh, cup of coffee today. But, and the reason I say that is because you, our cortisol peaks between 6 and 8 a.m., so if we're having coffee within that normal cortisol peak time in that morning, we're just smashing our poor little adrenals and they've got no hope for the rest of the day. Usually the symptoms you'll have after this is you will be crashing mid afternoon, desperately needing some sort of pick me up around then. Helen, maybe that's when you're gone for your bag of cookies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it, it's just, you're just setting yourself up for disaster for the day. So I would certainly suggest organic coffee if you can and don't have it before 10 o'clock in the morning and one a day or cut it out if you can.
1: Okay. So, really uh, some tip. other. Some I like that because I'm a coffee purist as well. And um, yeah, just the one cup a day and it's black. Um, but it's just the time. Yeah, the, the time is, is interesting because it's a, it's a very beautiful ritual for quite a lot of people to have first thing. But I guess, you know, what, what other alternatives? Because I'm all about, you know, swapping out uh, as opposed to quitting because that's easier to do. So I know you you were drinking the green tea this morning, Andrea. Is that a good swap for black coffee?
0: Look, I think so. Green tea is metabolized completely differently to coffee. Um, It doesn't tend to smash your adrenals quite like that. And it's so full of antioxidants and it's really Mm. good for helping to process things. The liver and the gallbladder. So I think you know, green tea, jasmine tea is a really good option. Any of your herbal teas, I think, are beautiful. Um, I can't think off the top of my head some herbal combinations that you could sort of put together that would be particularly beneficial. for There must vegetables. be loads uh, of them out there though. Yeah. Oh, there'd be stacks. Yeah. Um, so I think herbal teas are a really good option as well. So I know that we are so ritualistic, particularly when it comes to things like coffee. Um, but in the morning, a lot of the time it is just that hand to mouth action as well. So Mm. switch it out for, um, a herbal tea um, or a green tea or something like that. What about a decaf? Um, sure i really hanging on to this coffee topic, aren't I, Andrea? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, decaf, it's absolutely categorically got to be organic. There's no other way around it. And it's got to be water filtered as well. So the Swiss yep. water filtered variety of decaf is usually your best option. Um, but why fake it? You know, coffee is meant to have caffeine in it. I like it. Yeah, totally. Um, I just don't see the point of decaf, to be honest. Um, So, yeah, I reckon have have the real stuff, have it after 10 o'clock, savour it, enjoy it, shift your ritual a little bit, and in the meantime, um, things like green tea, herbal tea, those sorts of things. Awesome. Um, Great. All right, I'll move on there from the coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, now that you've picked yourself up off the floor from that. (laughs) Now, I know that, um, Helen, your Primalista audience, I'm certain, is probably already doing this, but really adopting a gluten-free lifestyle or a Mm -hmm. gluten-free diet is really positive. There's a really strong link between estrogen levels, ovarian function and gluten sensitivity, and also our gut function as well. So, you know, I'm not... I'm not someone who tells everybody that they have to eat the exact same way. Um, Some people don't have any problems with gluten whatsoever, but I do find that when women, um, particularly menopause, decrease their gluten intake, their inflammation goes down dramatically and they can control their weight a lot better.
1: I also like to... Egg now as well, which is very exciting. So that's easy. Okay. Good, GF. Got that. Tick.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, you can be including small amounts of whole soy. And when I say whole soy, these are things like tofu, miso, tempeh. Um, you know, there's a reason why Japanese women don't have menopausal symptoms. Like menopausal symptoms is very much a Western phenomenon. Uh, now they have also grown up on those soy products. So they tend to respond better to those things, but including some of those in your diet can be quite healthy. Now I don't advocate for soy milks or yogurts or cheeses and those sorts of things. Um, Just the way that it's processed is just shocking. Mm. Um, And also it tends to have the opposite effect. Uh, And soy is so heavily, um, you know, chemicalized. It's usually GMO as well. So if you're doing tofu, miso, tempeh, that sort of stuff, um, see if you can get organic versions as well. Okay. Um, The other thing that we can do to start to boost our estrogen Um, is so apart from having, you know, a bit of soy, like that whole soy, adding flax seeds to your meals as well. So not only is that an amazing fibre, an antioxidant, but flax seeds contain something called ligands, um, which is almost like an estrogen compound. Um, So just adding two tablespoons of flax seed um, to a meal per day has been shown to cut hot flushes in half over a six-year period.
1: That's amazing. And you so, know, really interestingly, just lately I've been adding, um, flax seeds to my smoothies and it, it's come from like an instinctive awesome. craving. Yeah. I was like, Oh, really fancy. Yeah. And isn't that funny? Like, yeah, it's like taking out the peanut butter and, and, and changed it for, for flax seeds and it makes it really thick. And
0: awesome. yeah, it's yummy. Interesting. That's Yeah. Helen, that's awesome that innately you're already wanting to uh, towards some of that. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, which I think is really fun um, homework for women, the other thing that has been shown to raise estradiol levels, which is the really good estrogen we want to hold on to, is orgasm. I was going to say, is it sex? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. And not, and not even sex, just yeah, orgasm. Yeah, just an orgasm. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, ladies, you've got some homework there. Um, definitely exercise is, some, is just one thing that we cannot move away from. We have to be moving our body, um, and especially for women when we get to menopause because of the fact that our bone mineral density changes. We need to be doing weight-bearing exercise. So this can be even just, you know, 20 to 40 minutes twice a week, Mm-hmm. And that has been shown to increase bone density, which is awesome. Plus, women will feel amazing when
1: they do those oh, sorts of things.
0: It feels so uh, good.
1: So when you say, so say uh, weight-bearing, does that need to be down the gym, lifting weights, or can it literally be um, weight-bearing in terms of our own body weight? So to do things like you know squats, push-ups, pull-ups, plank, yoga, Pilates, that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's to create a little bit of that stressor on the system, but the good stress. So it's called hormetic stress. Mm. So if women are starting out and they've never done anything like this before, maybe they've only been a cardio type person or a yogi, then yes, weight, body weighted exercises are a great place to start. And then from there, you can start adding a little bit of resistance. So you could have a resistance band or something like that. Um, If you have already been doing those things, then going to the next level and maybe doing some light weights doesn't mean you have to be at the gym. You can do all of these sorts of things at home. um, You know, if the gym is not your vibe, uh, and even just doing lightweights is going to help to improve. The heavier you can lift, the better. Uh, but I wouldn't suggest doing that without some sort of, um, I guess, program or guidance as well, just to make sure you're doing it really well. Mm, absolutely.
1: Those tips are amazing. Have you got anything else on your list or is that, that, that pretty much covers most things, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Look, that stuff's really nice and easy. We, we can, I can give you a couple little supplementation tips as well, but um, mm one thing. So I added in something that was, you know, going to be devastating for women is the coffee. And then I kind of picked things up a little bit and then I'm going to come back down again. <laughs> um, so ladies, just avoiding alcohol as much as possible Ugh. is going to be, <laughs> yeah, I know, going to be <laughs> really, really positive for you. And, you know, alcohol consumption, we know dramatically increases our risk of breast cancer. Unfortunately, um, you know, women really get the short end of the stick a lot of the time. Uh, but, um, alcohol also raises all of the really toxic estrogen as well, so the ones that give us those awful symptoms. So it doesn't mean don't have alcohol, it doesn't mean don't have fun with your girlfriends, um, but just do it in a social setting with control, um, small amounts, don't drink during the week, you know, all of those sorts of things. Um, so just be I've switched off about now, alcohol. and yeah, no, I'm only joking. <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> Helen, I know that's really <laughs> devastating. <laughs> But we got chocolate, reality? right? We need, are we allowed we to eat, eat chocolate? chocolate? Um, as as um, I think you're. Ass- yeah, I think you're absolutely allowed to eat chocolate. You know, cacao mm-hmm. is full of vitamin C, which is really supportive for our adrenals. Like I can justify absolutely anything, as you can see. Um, <laughs> but really good quality chocolate, which has got as high amount of cacao in it as possible, is is probably you know something that you can enjoy. Awesome, yep, definitely. Awesome. Um, now, so, it- ladies, just some. You go, you go. go. I was just going to just give a couple more tips just for like hot flushes because that's usually one of the most distressing symptoms that women Mm -hmm. have. So really simply, um, vitamin E is like one of the oldest remedies in the book for um, low estrogen. So that's going to help to raise that. Um, Magnesium has been shown to reduce hot flushes as well. So good types of magnesium like um, magnesium glycinate or citrate. Chinese herbs do a beautiful job of helping to support menopausal symptoms. I really love something called Ziziphus, which I prescribe to my patients all the time. Um, it helps with sleep as well. And ladies, one of the other things that you can be doing, that's just you know a couple of my faves, um, is controlled breathing. So um, I like to encourage women to do the 7-11 breathing. So breath in for seven, out for 11. Doing that for 10 minutes a day has also been shown to reduce hot flushes by 40%. Wow. Which is something that you do not need a gym membership for. It is it's free. No one will know your you're doing it. Yeah, totally. Um, so I love that. I think that that's so simple and it really does make a difference.
1: Fantastic. Now you've given us some amazing things if we're really kind of motivated and we're like, right, ho, I'm in, but what if you wanted to um, work with you and have a bit more of a step-by-step guide to it? I know you've got your Hormonal Mastery e-course. Can you tell us a little bit more about what's involved with that?
0: Sure. Now um thanks for that plug, Helen. Uh yeah. so I, there's an online sort of lecture series that um I've produced uh, my good friend Kale Brock um filmed and directed and all that sort of stuff for Ooh, it. Exactly. Uh, which was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um so it's called Hormonal Mastery. It's on Udemy. You can find it on my website, so drander.com.au Um I think for the podcast, we set up a fifty percent promo code as well. Um so I think that if you just follow the link through to the Udemy page, it will already be set up at 50% off, which brings it down to like 99 Australian dollars, which I think is. Wow. Um, that's, that's amazing. That's an amazing price. That's so cool. cool. So in that, there's like five hours of videos, um, which you can do at your own pace. You don't have to do it all at once. <laughs> just, you know, small little bite-sized pieces. Um, there is written guides. There's recipes. There's all sorts of things in there just to help to support through that. There's Now, the modules go through all sorts of different things. We haven't done um, a topic specifically on menopause, but a lot of the lifestyle changes in all of it will help. And if that um, isn't... Uh, you know, giving them the answers that they need or if they don't, they're not sort of into that kind of online learning thing um, and need some personal guidance, um, they can also consult with me as well if needed. And and is that, do
1: you need to be in Perth for that, Andrea, or can you do that on Skype
0: or Zoom as well? Yeah, so we can do online consults as well. Um, fortunately, with technology these days, um, we're not limited we're by now. our geography. I always love seeing women um, in person because it there's so much more we can pick up on when I see them move and, you know, you can just be there connecting. It's always a little bit different but, um, you know, Skyping and Zoom is still great as well. So I love working with women um, who, you know, are going through this transition because they really don't realise how good it can be yeah. and it's actually not difficult Like I'm excited. I'm, I'm 44 yeah. and I, I'm
1: excited. I was literally thinking, oh, you know, oof, I think this next decade is going to be bit, oof, tricky. There's the dogs again. Uh, I, think it's going to be a bit I think it's going to be a bit tricky to get through. But, you know, from what you've told me and, you know, looking at the changes I've already made, and I, I know a lot of our listeners will have already made a lot of those diet and lifestyle changes, it's pretty um, – it's pretty um, – like I feel like a big burden of relief has been lifted off my shoulders. Like, oh, that isn't the inevitable path. There is another way, and the other way looks pretty exciting. I'm excited. Bring it on. Take
0: me to the, to the throne. I know. I'm so happy to hear that. And um, there is this kind of um, theme around that menopause can be the springtime of your life. You know, This is when you should feel and you can feel amazing. So I'm really happy to hear that. So happy to hear that. Now, do you happen to know that the link
1: to get your um, uh, hormonal mastery e-course, do you know the link off the top of your head or do you need to, because I haven't got that link here and I definitely want to put that in the show notes for our listeners, because I'm sure there'll be people wanting to jump on that amazing offer.
0: Oh, Helen, I can, I can send that over to you um, when we get off recording. But if you just, if you go to my website, drandrew.com.au, it's on courses. So you can go to that. Otherwise, if you just search um, or go to udemy.com, so U D E M Y.com, and then just put in the search field hormonal mastery, it'll pop up that way. So So Udemy is just the learning platform that we've sort of launched it from. Awesome. Okay. That's great. So
1: on social media uh, as Dr. Andrea and on Facebook as the period
0: whisperer. Yeah. So Instagram is drandrea.xo and yeah, the period whisperer on Facebook. I thought that was just a kiss. I thought that was just a kiss and a cuddle for me. No. (laughs) Always Helen, always. (laughs) Awesome. Oh.
1: awesome, Andrew, you've been amazing as always. It's so cool to hang out with you, and I'm definitely would love to lock in a time for you um, in 2020 to chat all things contraception. I'd love to do it right from a you know perspective uh, as well. You know, from like a mother with a daughter who is entering puberty years and how to navigate that, um, right through to you know, yeah, not needing to use contraception anymore and arriving at the the golden. Um, menopause status, which now sounds so much more exciting after you've, um, you know, unpacked it all for us today. So thank you so much um, for your time this morning. And I'm going to get some cookies,
0: jellies and bagels shipped out to you, oh my, my amazing <laughs> friend. <laughs> <laughs> I am such a happy camper right now. Oh, Helen, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure as always. And I can't wait to do that contraceptive chat because, yeah, that's, I'm so, so passionate about that. Let's mm. do it. Awesome. Let's do it.
1: Thank you so much, Andrew, and have an amazing
0: rest of your day. Thank you, too. Yes. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.
1: This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.